0: Section five of the House of the White Shadows This Librivox recording is in the public domain The House of the White Shadows by BL Fargen Section five Book One Chapters ten and eleven Chapter ten two Letters From Friend to Friend, From Lover to Lover My Dear Almer We have been here three days and are comfortably established in your singularly named villa, the House of White Shadows. It is a perfect country residence, and the scenery around it is, I am told, charming. As you are aware, I have no eyes for the beauties of nature. Human nature and human motive alone interest me, and my impressions of the neighborhood are derived from the descriptions of my wife who enjoys novelty with the impulsive enjoyment of a child. It appears that she was enchanted when she heard from your lips that your house was supposed to be haunted by shadows, and although you cautioned her immediately afterwards, she was not to be deterred from accepting your invitation. Up to this time no ghost has appeared to her, nor has my composure been disturbed by supernatural visions. I am a non-believer in visions from the spiritual world. She is only too ready to believe. It is the human interest attached to such fancies, for which of course there must be some foundation, which fascinates and arrests the general attention. There, for me, the interest ends. I do not travel beyond reality. I am supposed to have come for rest and repose. The physicians who laid this burden upon me know little of my nature. Idleness is more irksome, and I believe more injurious, to me than the severest labor. And it is a relief, therefore, to me to find myself interested in a startling criminal case which is shortly coming on for trial in Geneva. It is a case of murder, and a man is in prison, charged with its commission. He has no friends, he has no means. He is a vicious creature of the commonest and lowest type. There is nothing in him to recommend him to favor. He is a being to be avoided, but these are not the points to be considered. Is the man guilty or not guilty? He is pronounced guilty by universal public opinion, and the jury which will be impaneled to try him Will be ready to convict upon the slightest evidence, or, indeed, without evidence. The trial will be a mockery of justice, unless the accused is defended by one who is not influenced by passion and prejudice. There is a feature in the case which has taken powerful possession of me, and which, as far as I can judge, has not occurred to others. I intend to devote the whole of tonight to a study of the details of the crime, and it is likely that I shall undertake the defense of this repulsive creature, no doubt much to his astonishment. I have, with this object in view, already had an interview with him in his prison cell, and the trouble I had to obtain permission to see him is a sufficient indication of the popular temper when therefore you hear if in the mountain fastness in which you are entrenched you have the opportunity of hearing any news at all from the world at your feet that i have taken the defence of a man named Gautran, accused of the murder of a flower girl named madeline do not be surprised what is most troubling me at the present moment is what is my wife to do How is she to occupy her time during our stay in the House of White Shadows? At present, she is full of animation and delight. The new faces and scenery by which she is surrounded are very attractive to her, but the novelty will wear off, and then she will grow dull. Save me from my self-reproach and uneasiness by taking up your residence with us, if not for the whole of the time we remain here, which I should much prefer, at least for a few weeks. By so doing, you will confer a service upon us all. My wife enjoys your society. You know the feeling I entertain for you. And personal association with sincere friends will be of real benefit to you. I urge it earnestly upon you for I have an impression that you are brooding over unhealthy fancies, and that you have sought solitude for the purpose of battling with one of those ordinary maladies of the mind to which sensitive natures are prone. If it be so, Christian, you are committing a grave error. The battle is unequal. Silence and seclusion will not help you to a victory over yourself. Come and unbosom yourself to me if you have anything to unbosom and do not fear that i shall intrude either myself or my advice upon you against your inclination if you have a grief meet it in the society of those who love you there is a medicine in a friendly smile in a friendly word which you cannot find in solitude one needs sometimes not the sunshine of fair weather but the sunshine of the soul here it awaits you and should you bring dark vapours with you i promise you they will soon be dispelled i am disposed out of purest friendliness to insist upon your coming and to be so uncharitable as to accept it as an act of weakness if you refuse me when the case of gautran is at an end i shall be an idle man You and only you can avert the injurious effect idleness will have upon me. We will find occupation together and create reminiscences for future pleasant thought. It may be a long time, if ever, before another opportunity so favorable occurs for passing a few weeks in each other's society, undisturbed by professional cares and duties. You see, I am taking a selfish view of the matter. Add an inestimable value to your hospitality by coming here at once and sweetening my leisure. Your Friend, Edward. My own. My husband is uneasy about you and has imposed a task upon me. You shall judge for yourself whether it is a disagreeable one. I am to write to you immediately to insist upon your coming to us without an hour's delay you have not the option of refusal. The advocate insists upon it, and I also insist upon it. You must come. Upon the receipt of this letter you will pack up your portmanteau and travel hither in the swiftest possible way, by the shortest possible route. Be sure that you do not disobey me. You are to come instantly, without an hour's nay without a moment's delay if you fail i will not answer for the consequences and upon you will rest the responsibility of all that follows for what reason do you suppose did i accept the offer of your villa in this strangely quiet valley unless it was in the hope and the belief that we should be near each other and now that i am here pledged to remain Unable to leave without an exhibition of the most dreadful vacillation, which would not matter were I to have my own way, and were everything to be exactly as I wish it, you are bound to fly swiftly to the side of one who entertains for you the very sincerest affection. Do not be angry with me for my disregard of your caution to be careful in my manner of writing to you. I cannot help it. I think of you continually, and if you wish me not to write what you fear other eyes than ours might see, you must come and talk to me. I shall count the minutes till you are here. The advocate is uneasy about you, and is, indeed and indeed, most anxious that you should be with us. He seems to have an idea that you have some cause for melancholy, and that you are brooding over it. Could anything be more absurd? Cause for melancholy? Just as if you were alone in the world? You do not need to be told that there is one being who will care for you till she is an old, old woman. Think of me as I shall be then an old woman with white hair walking with a crutch stick as they do on the stage. If you are sad, it is a just punishment upon you. There was nothing in the world to prevent your traveling with us. What do you think a friend of yours, a banker in Geneva, suggested to the advocate? He said that it was probable that you had experienced a disappointment in love. Now this sets me thinking. Why have you chosen to hide yourself in the mountains, a hundred and a hundred miles away? Have you been there before?" is there some pretty girl to attract you from whom you find it impossible to tear yourself if it is so let her beware of me you have no idea of what i should be capable if you gave me cause for jealousy what is her disposition pensive or gay she is younger than i am i suppose though i am not so old sir with hands ah i am easier in my mind her hands must be coarse for she is a peasant i am almost reconciled you could never fall in love with a peasant they may be pretty and fresh for a month or two but they cannot help being coarse and i know how anything coarse grates upon you but a peasant girl might fall in love with you there are more unlikely things than that Shall I tell you what the Advocate said of you this evening? It will make you vain, but never mind. I have never in my life known a man more likely to inspire love in a woman's heart than Christian Almer. There, sir, his very words. How true they are! Ah, how cruel was the chance that separated us from each other, and brought us together again when I was another man's wife oh if i had only known if some kind fairy had told me that the man who when i was a child enthralled me with his beautiful fancies and won my heart and who then as it seemed passed out of my life if i had suspected that after many years he would return home from his wanderings with the resolve to seek out the child and make her his wife Do you for one moment suppose I would not have waited for him? Do you think it possible I could ever have accepted the hand of another man? No, it could not have been, for even as a child I used to dream of you, and held you in my heart above all other human beings. But you were gone. I never thought of seeing you again and I was so young that I could have had no foreshadowing of what was to come. Have you ever considered how utterly different my life might have been had you not crossed it? Not that I reproach you. Do not think that. But how strangely things turn out, without the principal actor having anything to do with them. It is exactly like sitting down quietly by yourself, and seeing all sorts of wonderful things happen in which you have no hand, though if you were not in existence they could never have occurred. Just think for a moment. If it had not happened that you knew me when I was a child, and was fond of me then, as you have told me I don't know how many times, if it had not happened that your restless spirit drove you abroad where you remained for years and years and years. If it had not happened that, tired of leading a wandering life, you resolved to come home and seek out the child you used to pet and make love to, but she did not know the meaning of love then. If it had not happened that, entirely ignorant of what was passing in your mind, the child, grown into a pretty woman, i think i may say that without vanity was persuaded by her friends that to refuse an offer of marriage made to her by a great lawyer famous and rich was something too shocking to contemplate if it had not happened that she knowing nothing of her own heart knowing nothing of the world allowed herself to be guided by these cold calculating friends to accept a man utterly unsuited to her and with whom she has never had an hour's real happiness if it had not happened by the strangest chance that this man and you were friends there my dear follow it out for yourself and reflect how different our lives might have been if everything had happened in the way it ought to have done i was cheated and tricked into a marriage with a man whose heart has room for only one sentiment ambition I am bound to him for life, but I am yours till death, although the bond which unites us is, as you have taught me, but a spiritual bond. Are you angry with me for putting all this on paper? You must not be, for I cannot help it if I am not wise. Wisdom belongs to men. Come then and give me wise counsel, and prevent me from committing indiscretions for i declare to you upon my heart and honour if you do not very soon present yourself at the house of white shadows i will steal from it in the night and make my way to the mountains to see what wonderful attraction it is that separates us what food for scandal what wagging and shaking of heads how the women's tongues would run i can imagine it all Save me from exposure, as you are a true man. You have made the villa beautiful. As I walk about the house and grounds, I am filled with delight to think that you have effected such a magic change for my sake. Master Lamont has shown really exquisite taste. What a singular old man he is. I can't decide whether I like him or not. But how strange that you should have had it all done by deputy, and that you have not set foot in the house since you were a child. You see, I know a great deal. Who tells me? My new maid, Dionetta. Do you remember, in one of the letters you showed me from your steward, that he spoke about the old housekeeper, Mother Denise, and a pretty granddaughter? I made up my mind at the time that the pretty granddaughter should be my maid. And she is, and her name is Dionetta. Is it not pretty? But not prettier than the owner. Will that tempt you? I have sent my town maid away, much to her displeasure. She spoke to the advocate in complaint, but he did not mention it to me. I found it out for myself he is as close as the grave so i am here absolutely alone with none but strangers around me i am very much interested in the pictures in the studio of the old chalet especially in a pair which represents the first two lovers with the sun shining on them the second the lovers parted by a cold grey sea they stand on opposite shores gazing despairingly at each other. He must have been a weak-minded man indeed. He should have taken a boat and rowed across to her, and if he was afraid to do that she should have gone to him. That would have been the most sensible thing. I could continue my gossip till daylight breaks, but I have already lost an hour of my beauty sleep, and I want you, upon your arrival, To see me at my best. My heart goes with this letter. Bring it swiftly back to me. Yours forever. Adelaide. Chapter 11 Fire and Snow Fool Fritz informs Pierre Lamont where actual love commences. News, Master Lamont, news. Of what nature, Fritz? of a diabolical nature satan is busy he is never idle for which the priests if they have any gratitude in them should be thankful you are not fond of the priests master lamont i do not hate them still you are not fond of them i do not love them your news fool concerning whom Are greater than you, or you do not speak the truth. The advocate, then? The same. You are a good guesser. Fritz, your news is stale. I am unlucky. I thought to be the first. You have heard the news? Not I. You have read a letter informing you of it? You are a bad guesser. I have neither received nor read a letter to-day. You have heard nothing, you have read nothing, and yet you know. As surely as you stand before me, Fritz, you are not a scholar, but I will give you a sum any fool can do. Add one to one. What do you make of it?" Why, that is easy enough, Master Lamont. The answer, then, fool? One good, you shall smart for it in the most vulnerable part of man. You receive from me every week one franc. I owe you for last week one franc, I owe you for this one. That is so. Last week one, this week one. I discharge the liability and Pierre Lamont handed a franc to Fritz. Fritz weighed the coin in the palm of his hand, spun it in the air, and smiled. "'Master Lamont, here is a fair challenge. If I prove to you that one and one are one, this franc you have given me shall not count off what you owe me.' "'I agree.' When one man and one woman are joined in matrimony, they become one flesh. Therefore, one and one are one. You have earned the franc, fool. Here are the two I owe you. Now, perhaps, you will tell me what I came here to tell you. The advocate intends to defend Gautran, who stands charged with the murder of the flower girl. You are a master worth serving. I have half a mind to give you back your franc. Make it a whole mind, Fritz. No, second thoughts are best. My pockets are not as warm as yours. They are not so well lined. How did you guess, Master Lamont? By means of a golden rule, an infallible rule, by the rule of one, which intelligibly interpreted to shallow minds no offence fritz i hope don't mind me master lamont i am a fool and used to hard knocks then by the rule of one which means the rule of human nature as for example that makes the drunkard stagger to the wine-shop and the sluggard to his bed I guessed that the advocate could not withstand so tempting a chance to prove the truth of the scriptural words that all men are liars. What will be palatable information to me is the manner in which the news has been received. Heaven keep me from ever being so received. The advocate is not added to the number of his friends. People are gazing at each other in amazement and asking for reasons which none are able to give. And his wife, Fritz, his wife? Takes as much interest in his doings as a bee does in the crawling of a snail. Rogue, you have cheated me. How about one and one being one? There are marriages and marriages. This was not made in heaven when it came about there was a confusion in the pairing and another couple are as badly off there will be a natural end to both how brought about fool by your own rule the rule of human nature when a jumper jumps he first measures his distance with his eye do they quarrel no does she look coldly upon him or he upon her no is there silence between them no you are a bad jumper fritz you have not measured your distance see master lamont i will prove it to you by a figure of speech there travels from the south a flame of fire there travels from the north a lump of snow they meet what happens either that the snow extinguishes the fire and it dies or that the fire puts an end to the snow fairly illustrated fritz fire and snow truly a most unfortunate conjunction she was in the mood to visit you yesterday had you lived a mile nearer the valley you were out together she and dionetta were walking and i met them and accompanied them she spoke graciously to the villagers and went into the cottages and drank more than one cup of milk she was sweeter than sugar master lamont and won the hearts of some of the women and all of the men as for the children They would have followed her to the world's end, I do believe, out of pure admiration. They carry now in their little heads the vision of the beautiful lady. Even Father Capel was struck by her beauty. Priests are mortals, Fritz. On which side did you walk? Next to my lady or dionetta? I should be wrecked in a tempest. I sail only in quiet lakes and the maid did she object to your walking close to her for you are other than i take you to be if you did not walk close why should she object am i not a man women rather like fools how stands the pretty maid with her new mistress in high favour if one can judge from fingers fritz your wit resembles a tide that is forever flowing favor me with your parable it is a delicate point to decide where actual love commences have you ever considered it master lamont not deeply fool in my young days i was a mad brain you are a philosopher Like a bee, I took what fell in my way, and did not puzzle myself or the flower with questions. Where love commences? In the heart. No. In the brain. No. In the eye? No. Where, then? In the fingertips dionetta and i walking side by side shoulder to shoulder our arms hanging down brought into close contact our finger-tips what wonder that they touched natural magnetism fritz with our finger-tips touching we walked along and if her heart palpitated as mine did she must have experienced an inward commotion master lamont this is a confession for your ears only i should be base and ungrateful to hide it from you your confidence shall be respected it leads to an answer to your question as to how dionetta stands with her new mistress first the finger tips then the fingers and her little hand was clasped in mine it was then i felt the ring upon her finger ah now dionetta never till yesterday owned a ring i felt it as a man who is curious would do and suddenly her hand was snatched from mine a moment or two afterwards her hand was in mine again but the ring was gone a fine piece of conjuring a man is no match for a woman in these small ways TODAY I SAW HER FOR ABOUT AS LONG AS I COULD COUNT THREE. WHO GAVE YOU THE RING? I ASKED. MY LADY, SHE ANSWERED. DON'T TELL GRANDMOTHER THAT I HAVE GOT A RING. THEREFORE, MASTER LAMONT, DIONETTA STANDS WELL WITH HER MISTRESS. LOGICALLY CARRIED OUT, FRITZ. THE SAINTS PROSPER YOUR WOOING. End of section 5.